Good morning, RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell in the studio right now, getting ready to warp and woof up your radio. Dr. Mark, what is happening, partner? Oh, man, we got all kinds of good things going on in Indianapolis this week. Fantastic things, uh, not the least of which is art in the park. Why don't you give them a little bit of a preview, A.B.? Absolutely. Before we do that, let's just send our prayers out to those people down in Houston and Louisiana who are going through some extreme difficult uh, uh, natural uh, disaster going on down there. We've never seen anything like this, and so we just want to make sure that the prayers are going out to those people. And speaking of those people, we've got people right here who are suffering as well. So this Saturday, September 2nd, we're going to be at Garfield Park, 12 p.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. with all different types of providers and resources in the world of mental health. Uh, Had a great conversation with you and some of the other doctors from the Indiana Association of Black Psychologists, the CTS Counseling Group. Richard Samuels, great conversation dealing in the world of mental health. So if you have family members and yourself, come on out this Saturday. Absolutely free. We're going to have free music. There will be food trucks so you can get your palate on. And uh, (laughs) things for the kids to do. And also this great information uh, that we can assemble together with all these different providers and resources. So that is this Saturday, September 2nd, Arts and Music in the Park. Please come out to Garfield Park, 12 to 6. This is an important issue uh, on Saturday, but uh, we constantly are dealing with uh, issues surrounding us in every venue. Uh, and in this particular uh, discussion today, we're going to be talking about alternatives to health care, uh, something that uh, really was pounded during the election season, of course, uh, certainly over the, the last years of the Obama administration. Certainly we saw an awful lot of uh, discussion about these kinds of issues. So we're going to be talking about something brand new, at, at least in our venue, and that is health care alternatives. So if you've got somebody out there that's uh, looking for health care, uh, concerned about the insurance problem, doesn't have it, uh, you need to tune into this. Tell somebody, as HB likes to say, to tell somebody to listen in this morning. And uh, you might need to come out to the mental health awareness <laughs> prevention <laughs> after you hear about this health care. That will drive you a little bit wacko. Mm. Uh, what we're going to do is take a short break, as we always do. We're going to introduce you to who Comenius Institute is, and we're going to get right into the conversation, alternative health care. Dr. Brian Barber will be in on the second hour, and uh, he's an expert in this field, so we can ready to learn something yeah. today. Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv. RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. Warp and Wolf Radio, a show sponsored by Comenius Institute each and every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Dr. Mark, let's, let's give him a little info yeah. on Comenius. Yeah, Comenius Institute. Uh, we're one of 35 study centers around the United States located here in Indianapolis, and we work specifically on the campus of IUPUI. And we meet with students weekly to discuss uh, concepts and ideas and uh, disciplines, uh, subject area ideas that come up in their studies. And this is a very valuable thing for them. They really find, uh, well, actually every single week somebody says to me, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. When we think Christianly about things, we think uh, differently than the rest of the culture does. So it's been very positive for them, uh, having discussions with faculty, uh, all kinds of good things, including this radio show, which is part of what we do at Cominius. Uh, I think it's a very powerful and important idea that needs to get out. And for those of you looking for a place to contribute, <laughs> uh, you might consider what it is to give money to RadioNext.tv 
uh, so that we might continue this great ministry. You know, interesting, and, and we, we don't want to keep going back to the show that we did on, on uh, psychology and the mind, mm-hmm. but um, just like you were saying, when our young people leave and go away to school, sometimes talking is the best therapy. That's right. And they have a place to go, and uh, you being the soundboard there gives them some ideas to have that, that, that premise to say, hey, never thought about that before. That's right. I think as the adults and, and people who convey wisdom, that should always be what we're doing is how can we dig deeper in the critical thought process to give somebody a, a, a little bit of extra thought, a little bit of seed to plant an extra idea that might not have been there, you know, right. just, just on what they know. Communication is huge, uh, certainly in relationships, uh, obviously between uh, individuals and people, but also the collaborative element of, hey, you know what, I never thought about it that way before, or I have new information now I didn't have before, which now allows me to have a better way to approach a certain subject or discipline. This is a big deal, HB. Absolutely, and that's why, you know, Scripture says more than, you know, two people get together, then, you know, great minds, then we have church. That's right. And church basically means let's communicate about what together we can do as a whole. Exactly. Um, And speaking of of that man you hit it right on the head when we started this program about the health care uh you know obamacare uh, whatever we want to call it um and the election was pretty much decided it mm-hmm. <laughs> on on just that message alone right. because it has a lot of people uh i have i have my take on it and we can talk about that as the com you know as the conversation uh develops uh, but when we're talking about health care and alternative health care, uh, we're going to have some very specific information from Dr. Brian Barber yes. uh, in the second hour. But we always start in Proverbs and where mm-hmm. things stand when it comes to Scripture. So if we're discussing health care alternatives today, give us a brief overview. And then what I want to know on the second part of that question is, why is health care such an important topic for Christians? So sure. you can take those double-edged Yeah, right absolutely. Now. So uh, let me start with something real simple. Um, get some sleep. For those of you out here listening uh, and you're really tired this morning, ask yourself the question, what did you do last night before you went to bed? And what time did you go to bed? What did you eat before you went to bed? What were you doing before you went to bed? I think about these kinds of things. For instance, uh, my wife, Robin, uh, gives me a hard time sometimes because I'm reading screens before I go to sleep. Uh, Obviously, that's not a good idea. So the idea of reading your cell phone for half an hour before you go to sleep does not do wonders for your sleep patterns. But here's another idea. This concept uh, actually is popping up in a lot of different areas, namely in uh, the healthcare fields. And one of the uh, articles I ran across this week, HB, had to do with uh, the future of Christian healthcare ministries after Obamacare. Now, this was written back in February when everybody thought that everything was going to be replaced. <laughs> Obviously, the Republicans couldn't get their act together. The Democrats, you know, they haven't had their act together. So everybody's uh, in a mess here. But bottom line is uh, Christian ministries are now uh, not only popping up around, but have been doing some really good work for some time. So I'm going to mention a few. Uh, some of them, uh, some of these health care sharing plans are based on the Acts 2 uh, passage uh, that the church had everything in common. And this is a really important and powerful concept. So one of the medical uh, cost ideas that you might want to go to is a site called You Caring. That's Y-O-U Caring. Check that out and see what kind of alternative ideas they might have to the insurance uh, industry in, at that particular place. 
Then you've got Samaritan Cares uh, Ministries, which is a really important idea as well, one where uh, groups of Christians get together, uh, band together, and do uh, work for health care and share costs together uh, as a group plan. So that's Samaritan Ministries. Now those are just a couple of alternative ideas uh, to what normally goes on. But what I want to suggest here, since you asked uh, the, the second question too, is why is healthcare such an important topic for Christians? Let me go b- all the way back, HB, to church history. Because one of the things that we know about church history is that people have been dealing with not just the medical field, but general health for a very long time. So I want to suggest uh, uh, one particular website to everybody and uh, check this out. Uh, this is called ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. That's ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. Go there, type in the search line the word medical, and see what pops up. There are all kinds of connections in church history to the medical field. I just want to mention a couple of them. Actually, in issue 101 uh, of Christian Institute, or Christian History as it's called, there's a, spe- a special issue dedicated to health care and hospitals in the mission of the church. Uh, just Let me pause here to be kind of stick this in here in between comments about medical alternatives. HB, you do not see any hospitals named after atheists. They are (laughs) all named after St. Luke, St. Matthew, all saints, all kinds, all that kind of stuff. When we see these kinds of ideas, we have to ask ourselves the question, gee, I wonder who it is that's most interested in taking care of people. Oh, well, how about that? The Christian church might be interested. So, coming back to uh, ChristianHistoryInstitute.org, issue 101, Healthcare and Hospitals and the Mission of the Church. I highly recommend that people go out and grab this up. Check it out. You can actually buy the hard copy of this, or you can go online and see the digital copy of it. Uh, Very, very powerful stuff. You can find here the Pioneers to Medical Missions, uh, such as Dan Beach Bradley. Uh, you can find out the Medical Missionary uh, Digest and Journal of some of these folks. There are timelines there that give health care and hospitals in the mission of the church. You see people that are going to uh, the, con- the continent of Africa, for instance, uh, for medical missions over years and years and years. There are all kinds of things here, and I highly recommend this magazine, mostly because... I am an original subscriber to Christian History Magazine. I love it. I think it's one of the great things that the Christian Church has ever done, is actually go back in history and identify who's done what in history, HB. It's fantastic stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's ironic, and that's the reason I said, you know, after kind of looking over what we were going to discuss today, it's ironic um, that when we bring our Christian platform that we still are divided by the political platforms yeah. that are supposed to be about caring and helping How people. How about that, huh? That is, that is the, you know, it's one of the biggest mis- I, I am so lost when we come to talk about when we, when we want to, you know, get on our real big old stand and yep. say this is who we are. Uh, I'm a Christian before I am anything. There you go. That's uh, it. Just in my personal walk. Right. You know, I, I am, I am foul I you know I still have a stench of you know sin I got all of that but in caring about people I think Christians should be first and then the label or the door that we want to there go in on our personal yep. belief we go into mm-hmm. so we, we got to do something about that yes I think, we do a group of band of Christians let's <laughs> try right. to do that last question in this first segment uh, what principles from Proverbs Mark can be applied to the topic of health care yeah this uh, is we're talking about today 
this is a fantastic uh, idea here. And once again, the, the reason, HB, as you always say, we go back to Proverbs, is that these are universal transcendent principles. You don't have to be a Christian to follow these principles and actually get something out of it. How about that? These things can actually be applied, generally speaking, to all people. Now, I'm just going to give you a few, but quite frankly, they just range all the way through this book of Proverbs. But let's start real simple uh, and start out in chapter 3 of Proverbs, because what do we find right away in chapter 3 of Proverbs? In verse 1, My son, don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Wow, we get length of days and years of life added because we actually believe and practice and live this kind of thinking. Verse 8 goes on to say, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That word refreshment in English is literally the word medicine in Hebrew. It will be healing to your flesh and medicine to your bones. So when you follow God's dictates, when you follow his prescriptions, when you follow the principles given to us in the book of Proverbs, what do we find over and over and over again? We find that these kinds of things are beneficial to people. Here's another verse, Proverbs 4.22. For these things that God has given to us, these principles to abide by, they are life to those who find them and healing to their body. Wow, healing to their body. If we would actually abide by the principles of Proverbs, uh, we find these kinds of statements over and over again. Uh, 8.35 says the same thing. 21.21 says the same thing. Proverbs focuses attention on the inside of a person. Now, there are places in chapters 24 to 25, for instance, that speak of alcohol, for instance, as being an anesthetic. Actually, alcohol was used as an anesthetic because it dulls the senses. But then in, ver- in chapter 25, it talks about the evil of overdoing or overindulging in alcohol. So these kinds of principles, HB, are all the way through Proverbs, and we find them over and over and over again. If only we would apply them. I know that's right. I wish they'd have gave me a, a prescription. So, you know, what's the line of going across? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> of, of doing yourself some good that's versus, it. you know, messing around and making it bad for you we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to continue this great discussion talking about alternative health but first we're talking about how health and and the healthiness of applies to the book of proverbs this is warping wolf radio on the cool groove site RadioNext.tv, Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site, and Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell. Man, his first segment was kind of hot, Dr. Mark. I mean, you know, we got all in, and uh, uh, we are talking about uh, healthcare alternatives today on Warping Wolf Radio, and this is a big, big subject matter. Um, and we were just talking off air about some of the catastrophic things going on in That's Houston. Right. And uh, it doesn't pertain to health care, but it pertains to covering all your bases, people. I mean, uh, the glaring statistic when I heard on the news last night, Mark, about all the people in Houston uh, who had homeowners insurance, only 15 percent of those people had flood insurance. That's unreal. Um, and what they're going through now is flat out flood. And the insurance companies, uh, based on my history, mm-hmm. are not going to be kind. No, they're uh, not. That is not their job. That is not what they do. So we have a lot of people who are getting ready to just who are just at the tip of. Yeah the drama that's getting ready to go exactly down. right uh, so you know let's like i say let's keep these people in our prayers uh you know they did not ask for this and, and right. god only knows what god is doing in mm-hmm. this situation so all we can do is pray and ask for some relief and some stress relief for the people uh down in mm. houston and louisiana uh we like to talk about current events every time when we talk about any subject matter yeah, that's right um 
is health care a justice issue or a universal right that everyone should expect? Mark? Yeah, this is a really this tough, is a tough one. one. It is because I've, I've heard people talk this way. They've talked about health care being a justice issue or a right. So I wanted to at least mention uh, some things about that this morning. I remember when President Obama made a comment toward the end of his presidency, which, was, which seemed to be quite uncaring. He said that maybe workers should no longer consider health care coverage as a right. So this was something that our president said, and this from a person who will, he and him, his family, r- will receive the best health care coverage possible for their entire lives. Now let's flip that script around and say Congress passes health care laws all the time, but do not have to live with the laws that they create. Let me just say that again. <laughs> Congress passes health care laws, but do not have to live with the laws they create. Because they get health care coverage for life. Would that be hashtag hypocrite? Oh, my word. We're talking both ways, man. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent. I don't care who you are. When we talk about politics, the issue is, is everybody getting the same thing? You want to talk about equality? Let's talk about equality in health care. So Americans have, to, have come to believe that health care has been part of their compensation. I think this took place especially after World War II. But in the Western world, we can have this discussion, HB, in other places in the world. Folks don't even think about stuff like this because they don't even have health care. We're talking about this in, in America. Oh, well, let, let, let's, let's dive into that yep. because I know in the modernized countries, right. we're the only country who doesn't have a unified health care system. Exactly, yes. And, and so when we're talking third world countries who don't have health care now, that kind of puts America on that level when we talk about taking care <laughs> of our whole population. True. So, you know, we could, we could tip this, you know, the seesaw, as we That's like right. to call it, the teeter-totter, That's a whole right. lot of different ways. And uh, it, is, it is scary to me to think that as a modernized country that we don't have something better than we have right now for the whole mm-hmm. of a people because we have such a dynamic landscape of financial wealth versus poverty that it reaches down to third world level that's exactly right extreme so you know there has to be something yes. that we can do for the population as a whole and, and and i don't know what that argument is i don't know what the remedy is but i know that something the fact is something needs to be done going so back to the it. first segment i think what it all begins with us because quite frankly government and government never takes care of the people as they as they it ought to and of course government should then be uh focused on us so we really d- uh bear the burden of this because nobody's going to help us hbl yeah. at the end of the day yeah and then you know that's interesting because our next question is you know how does health care promote a better culture <laughs> how about so that? let's go uh, dr mark how about that huh? it's really fascinating to me that this morning for instance uh, and i get these every day sent to me uh from harvard Business Review. So here we are in Harvard Business Review. I want to just mention two articles that are the lead articles of the email that I received this morning. Here's article number one. Stress leads to bad decisions. Here's how to avoid them. Now, these kinds of emails are going out to business leaders everywhere around the country, around the world, and they're saying, hey, stress leads to bad decisions. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, of course, but the bottom line is, guess what? Employers are talking about this, and if employers who pay people to do their jobs are talking about this, gee, it must be something that is important to the rest of us. And here's something else in that same email this morning. I received this one, this particular article. Can 10 minutes of meditation make you more creative? Can 10 minutes of meditation make you more creative? Now, I know that the word mindfulness 
is all the rage these days. Over the last year, 18 months, mindfulness has made its way into the dictionary, and uh, we're all talking about mindfulness now. But bottom line is, Scripture is very clear about meditation and the importance of taking stress away, and that is, once again, going back to our first segment, we talked about Proverbs. Proverbs is concerned about the medicinal nature of Scripture as medicine for the soul. So when we talk about this, I have to go back to maybe a session or two that we've had on air uh, in the last few months. We've had a chaplain come in here. We've had a psych person come in here. And basically what they're saying is that chaplains and psychologists and counselors are actually beneficial to the workplace. Now, there's a program uh, on Showtime, I think it is, called Billions. And on this particular program, program they actually have uh, one of the characters in the cast is a psychologist who who is invested in the lives of the people so the people who are selling bonds and trading stocks and all this kind of stuff actually have a psychologist to go to in their workplace which is really fascinating so here's my question how do workers function when their own well-being is taken care of their mental intellectual selves are whole hb i got to go back to a, a book that i tell everybody about it is a fantastic, phenomenal book. We have to go back to a book entitled The Search for God and Guinness. The Search for God and Guinness. Here is a Christian man who in the late uh, 18th century, the late 1700s, uh, created something called Guinness Beer. I want you to go right now, uh, find the YouTube video, The Search for God and Guinness, see the five-minute overview of this particular book, I remember when I read this book, I got through the introduction and I wept. And this was back in 2010 when we were just coming out of uh, the awfulness of the recession that we were in. Bottom line to this, here it is, that business people, here's a man, Mr. Guinness, who took care of his people. He gave them free dentistry, free physician care. They had uh, masseuse available to anybody. He gave them vacation, paid vacation for free. If somebody died, they took care of your family for life. So when we talk about uh, the concept of health care, I think ultimately this, is, this rests on businesses and business people, and we have to consider ourselves, how do we take care of the people that are in our employ? There you go, HB. Wow. <laughs> you know, you said a mouthful, and you know my yeah. wandering mind. Man. You know, I, and, and I think I just want, uh, before we go to the last question in the yep. second segment here, is to ask, when you mention what Guinness did yes. for his people, why do we find it so difficult that the stakeholders and the people who should be responsible, um, and, and, you know, I, I know the answer, and Mark, you know, quite yep. frankly, the big elephant in the, in the room is the money that is made by the right. insurance companies here in America. Sure. Um, and in this conversation, we never go that direction, Be almost like the NRA. Mm. We never go up, uh, to talk about those big, um, my, th- those big monsters that help pay for what it is that I guess the elected officials are, are running under, running for. Uh, we don't go near that, but if we did, we would open up a can of worms. Oh, my word. Uh, bigger than the planet, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what, what Guinness did is the way it should be. Absolutely. People taking care of people, HB, and the folks that are making the money, they bear responsibility, especially if you're a Christian and you're a business person and you're making money. Uh, you should take care of the people that are in your employ. But beyond that, I think about the home, pr- 
the, the moms and dads and folks that are out there, the parents, how do we take care of our little ones at home? Uh, do we think about ourselves, you know, the new boat, the new car, the vacation, or are we going to take care of the little ones in our home? Man, this is this is an ongoing conversation. Well, well last question in this segment is going to be, uh, you know, giving examples of Christians uh, who make a positive impact in the health field. I mean, Guinness was one, yep. and we've got a guy who made beer. Yeah, that's right. Popular that can understand this, and we got churches right. and, and organizations that are supposed to be built around people that can't get this. It's amazing for me, man. Don't give me on my soapbox. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll get on mine then. <laughs> Let me give just some uh, uh, different ideas about this because I'm an idea guy. I'm a communications and an idea guy. And so my responsibility is to give people ideas about, hey, maybe we can think about this in different ways. So when I think about this, I'm thinking about uh, those who might be gifted in math and science. Uh, maybe you should be consider becoming a doctor. I'm thinking about uh, younger people, perhaps. But maybe uh, you've you've got this thing that's uh, the spirit's been prompting you about. Hey, maybe uh, going into med- the medical field is for you. Perhaps you're a teacher. Uh, maybe some folks who are teachers are going to listen to this podcast after the fact. Bring medical personnel to your class. Introduce uh, children uh, to doctors and nurses and folks who take care of others so that we can have a more caring concept uh, about uh, what we're teaching our young people. One of my friends at church teaches at IU Medical, training the next generation of of doctors. Uh, What he does is really powerful and important. Perhaps you're a writer. We need people who can help folks bridge knowledge from the medical uh, community specifically into the common language of the common person. This is a big deal for all of us. That's my movement. That's exactly it. You're the wordsmith, man. Inventors, researchers, we need you. We need people who are on the front lines of looking into microscopes all day long. This is huge. Read about Washington Carver and the peanut, for instance, if you want to go back in history. And think about here's a man who discovered 250 usage for the peanut. Maybe there are new discoveries to be made and new ownership uh, concepts to be created so that people can have uh, benefits of medical care. And, of course, we cannot leave this discussion without saying something about our good friends down at Neighborhood Fellowship and the wonderful free health care that they give through IU Health and other institutions down there every Saturday. Go check them out. Hit up Jim Streetermeyer, who's a friend of us, been on the program a number of times. Jim, if you're listening, uh, congratulations and thank you so much for the good work that you do on 10th Street Neighborhood Fellowship. Absolutely, and we're going to take another break before Dr. Brian Barber comes in and uh, tells us about uh, health alternative care, uh, and we're going to find out more on how we can get the most out of our dollar. Um, and this is a this is painful. Uh, is. You know, it's it's a great conversation, but it's painful because yes. when you open up conversation and you really can't get an answer yep. or a clear cut answer, man, it's it's tough. But we are going to get to it and yep. get through it. it You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Group. Radio Next TV Warp and Woofing on the radio here on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H. B. Bell, getting it in today, every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Trying to make a little sense of all of this, and a uh, great topic today, boss. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, tell tell us something about uh, something we were just talking about off air about the number of people 
Uh, fill in the blanks yeah, on well, this Well, thing. we're talking health care alternative, and we're already talking about uh, insurance and health care insurance, how it fits the individual. But um, as I was telling you, working with senior citizens, uh, you started to get some stats and started to do some research and found out that there are people over 65, 10,000 people a day turning 65. That is unbelievable. There's never been, there's never been a demographic or an uh, age of people who have had this amount of people, you know, I mean, this is going to be, it's a beautiful thing because life now is longer and we get a, mm-hmm. you know, I say you get a chance to extend your, sure. <laughs> your membership into the pearly gates. <laughs> but uh, here on earth, we're going to have some issues. And we were talking about some of the issues that we might face. We, we're going to have people 70, yep. 72 years old taking care of people who are upwards of, uh, 95 and 100 mm. um, and usually when you become 70 and 75 years old you're needing the help yeah so now you're going to be more or less the caretaker of your parents and, That's and right. we have never seen anything like this before so we need to get this together That's sooner right, than do. later um, because the, the problems that we're going to face in the next 10 to 15 years are going to be catastrophic if exactly. we just don't figure out some type of way to take care of our people, much like Mr. Guinness did. Yeah, that's, that's my right. new hero and my favorite beer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, as we start this third segment uh, before Dr. Brian Barber comes in, and he's going to tell you about health care alternatives on, on uh, Dr. Mark and his ca- uh, conversation. Uh, who are some Christians in Indianapolis who are doing good through health care, man? Uh, there are all kinds of folks out there that I know, and I'm sure that uh, I, I know just a, a thumbnail of, of everybody that's out there. I'll just mention a few. I think about... Uh, Lizzie Fisher, for instance, she's a Cominius student. Uh, right now, she is just engaging in her junior year at IUPUI, and she is uh, into cytotechnology. Now, this is just a fascinating, fascinating discussion because uh, what we find in cytotechnology is she's spending a lot of time in a microscope figuring out how cell structures are good or bad. And so this is really an important uh, area, and we have one of our students actually in this. My dentist, Dr. Sarah Gove, uh, has great ministry uh, through dentistry, does great work. Uh, I, we just love her. Uh, think she's think the world of her. Uh, doing really good work here in, in Fishers. Uh, Dean Wiggers, for instance, is a chiropractor, does fine work up in the, on the northeast side and, and really uh, uh, improves the beneficence to other people's uh, physical uh, well-being. I know a number of nurses, uh, Stephanie Payton, Lynn Winslow, Beth Pope, all these folks, good folks doing good work as Christians uh, in the nursing profession. Scott Cooper, IU Medical, helps in the research field, spending time with blood samples, peering through microscopes all day long. There are folks out there uh, in a place called Christian Healthcare Ministries. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, options for folks that are out there, and uh, this uh, this list could go on and on and on, I suspect. But one of the big issues that we're going to face here today and talk about later on today uh, when Dr. Barber comes in and joins us in the second hour is this whole area of direct primary care. And this has been blowing up in the last couple of years. I was on Twitter today, found all kinds of articles from the Boston Globe about this. Uh, there's Beacon Primary Care up in Fishers and LLC uh, that, that does really good work up there. Same kind of thing, direct primary care. Uh, really good stuff going on, HB. Well, this next question is the one that's going to get you all tangled up in this barbed wire. Uh, I'm just, no, because we kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, 
Brian Barber's in the house. How you doing, Doctor? Just having a good conversation here as we await your presence. Uh, but but this is a good question because we were talking about this earlier. What uh, society as a whole right. versus we as Christians face when we start talking about health care. So is there a difference between how popular culture and um, the Christian culture um, practice health care? And if so, explain for me. Yeah, I, I think this is a big deal. Uh, we, I could go on and on about this for hours. Uh, but if you begin with a naturalistic or a materialistic mindset, that is you only believe in the physicality of the human person, then you, do on, you only see that which you can see or smell or touch or taste or hear. But there's much more to the person than the five senses. When we talk about this from a Christian vantage point, we're talking about the holistic care, which means taking into account the whole person, including the world, which is unseen. So, for instance, a doctor friend who was uh, uh, taking care of a friend of mine, Terry McIntosh, Terry McIntosh had an ab- abdominal aneurysm from which he should have died. Uh, thankfully, uh, he was uh, rehabilitated. All kinds of uh, benefits uh, to him uh, were given, and uh, this happened in November uh, of this past year. And then uh, he's, he's rehabbing from this right now. A fantastic story. But what happened was that the doctor who immediately saw him after uh, this happened to him uh, was just amazed. And he said, that he said, and this is from a non-believer, he said, prayers kept Terry alive. Now, when you stop to think about this, I got to talk about some other things. I got to talk about Atoll Gawande, for instance, who wrote a book called Complications, a Surgeon's Note on Imperfect Science. This is not a book that you want to read before you go into surgery (laughs) because basically what the surgeon says is, you know what, sometimes we guess. And that... That's why I said you don't want to read this before you go into surgery. But it's a really fine book. I love Atoll Gawande. I love how he writes. Fantastic uh, doctor and surgeon. But along with that, you cannot miss Dr. Henry Brandt and all of his good books. I'm holding in my hand his book, In His Image. If you've never read Brandt and Yancey's books, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, In His Image, these are fantastic books that get after the baseline bottom issues. And that is, from a Christian vantage point, there's much more to us than our physicality well, before we uh, get with Dr. Brian Barber and take this last question, I do have something to ask, Mark. Uh, do you think that if we would remove our uh, political tabs yep. on how we think that we could get health care fixed and solved, do you think we'd be closer? I do. If it wasn't a, a this aisle thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Forget about crossing the line or crossing over to the other side. Can we just be human for a moment? Could could we just maybe talk about being human beings? That would be a really nice thing. And, by the way, I want to go back and say what I said before. If Congress and the presidents uh, had to endure the same kind of health care that we oh, do, it would be fixed quick. oh, my word, would it be fixed quickly. Let's talk about <laughs> that, that some wrong thing to make you a little bit biased <laughs> and, and hold firm on your political, you know, That's uh, right. Stance. But the last thing that we're going to talk about before we introduce Dr. Brian Barber is one of the most spectacular women in the world. <laughs> That's uh, right. Spent 60 years, you know, taking care of people. And you cannot have a political badge on you when you're talking about taking care of people. And That's this right. is your beautiful mother, Miss Virginia Echo. Tell us about some of the stories in healthcare that um, uh, yeah. people might want to know about. Man, I, I tell you, HB, uh, mom can tell stories all the way back to the 1950s when she started. And, you know, the, for, for most folks, when we talk about the 1950s, you know, we're talking about ancient history. But let me just give you some, uh, some snapshots along the way of things she's told me about. Uh, she did uh, her internship in Gowanda, New York, 
uh, where she uh, dealt with uh, something called the snake pit. In fact, there is actually a movie out there called The Snake Pit. This is how we used to deal with people who had psychological problems. We'd put them in these awful places and then leave them be, and it was an awful, awful thing in, in medical history. She talked about the hazing and the initiation rites that she had to go through, uh, one of which was going to find a brown stool. This is uh, <laughs> just for, for the medical people out there, you know, you're probably chuckling already. But these are the kinds of things, you know, she would say, tell me some of these kinds of stories. Here was a woman who worked second and third shift work. So, you know, she was a mom that was out there working uh, just like other moms do in that day and in this day both. Then she went into vocational education instruction. Uh, she was teaching LPNs and RNs uh, in vocational ed programs. She was teaching not just kids that were in high school, but she, we're talking about teaching adults as well. Uh, she actually asked me to speak at a nurse's graduation once, which was really kind of fun. I told the people then uh, I grew up with bedpans and catheters, so I knew all about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Later, Mom shifted to wellness care and health screenings. And uh, that's how actually she ended uh, her shot at being a nurse uh, for over 60 years. I remember personally uh, her giving me my shots for the awful allergies I had as a kid. Uh, she gave me a good view of nursing, so much so that I'm still working on a pro program that we want to have at Warp and Woof dedicated to nurses. I'm trying to get a whole bunch of nurses in here. That would be a spectacular program. HB, she's your mom, too, don't forget. Uh, this is good man, stuff, man. Breaking the metaphysical down to the mellow, as they like to say. We're going to come <laughs> back and introduce you to Dr. Brian Barber, and we're going to find out about uh, alternative health care uh, in the 21st century and what we can do to pr put some stop gaps in between all this tragedy that we've been, because really, this is right. tragic uh, when we look at it, when we're talking about America, and we can't figure out a way to have all of our people taken care of right. uh, some way, somehow, some shape, some form, some fashion, we will. We're going to come right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, in studio, special guest, Dr. Brian Barber. Stay tuned. All right, we are back. Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Wolf Radio. You hear us every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are glad to be with you here today talking about issues concerning health care and alternatives to health care. And we have in studio with us here today Dr. Brian Barber. Uh, Dr. Barber, we're really glad that you're here with us today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank uh, you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, your military service, education, and how your Christian beliefs have formed your views of health care. Well, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, so uh, I'm originally from northern Indiana, and uh, we moved down to Indianapolis about seven years ago with my wife, and we have four children. And uh, I have a direct primary care practice that is faith-based. And uh, basically um, what direct primary care is, it's, it's kind of a new model uh, in healthcare, in, particularly in the Indianapolis area. There are some guys that have been doing it a while. Uh, it's actually been around since the 1990s, 91, somewhere in there. It's been around, you know, a pretty good amount of time, about 7%. Five to seven percent of physicians across the board in the United States do this model. And what we um, are doing is we are basically circumventing insurance and telling patients that uh, instead of paying your premiums, which we do tell people they probably need it's some sort of catastrophic coverage, 
because they can't, uh, uh, you know, use this for a hospital system or any really expensive testing. But for primary care, uh, just going and seeing your regular doctor for bread and butter things like high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, etc., uh, it makes more sense to be able to pay someone, say, $75, $50 a month for unlimited visits. You can come in as much as you want, as many times as you want, and we even include, in our case, routine labs with it, cholesterol, uh, CBCs, thyroid checks, those kind of things that you would normally check. We just uh, um, put that in as our payment plan and cover it for the patient, and then they come in and see us as many times as they need to see us for, and we don't worry about billing insurance. And that typically does two things. Number one, it gives the patient uh, assurance of mind that they uh, don't have to worry about being seen in a 10 to 15 minute visit and being rushed out the door. Typically our new patients are an hour and our follow-up patients are about a half an hour. And the reason for that is of course you get to know someone and getting to know someone is the primary reason for our practice because we are ministry minded meaning that we try to take care of the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And, you know, research shows that uh, most people pref uh, either prefer or feel better uh, when um, they have a particular um, faith that they use to hold on to or that they uh, depend on uh, for guidance and for comfort. And people of faith, uh, you can look at any research study you want, but typically they tend to do better with outcomes than people who don't. And that's been in the literature now for several years. And so we try to uh, minister both to the body and spirit. And we do it in a, in a convenient format where the patients can spend the time that they need to discuss all of their um, problems with the doctor and, and do it in a way that is cost effective both for us and for them. For me to take insurance would probably be about 40 cents on the dollar uh, that I would spend with uh, a professional billing company or a biller and a coder and the processing fees that go with insurance. Not to mention you have to be credentialed uh, with an insurance company. In other words, you have to get on their panel and apply, which can take up to six months before you see any income. And so uh, those are things that when taken into account, you know, a much more cost-effective way is just to tell the patient, I'm not going to work for the insurance company, I'm going to work for you. And so you pay me a monthly amount just like a health club, and we'll see you whenever you need as much as you need. And so we started that practice back in February. And it's been kind of slow growing because this is a, uh, uh, you know, this is a new model. And people aren't used to this model because they just want to flip out their insurance card and say, what's my deductible? Right. Well, you don't have one. Right. You know, as a matter of fact, we don't care what network you're in because you can be in our network for, <laughs> you know, $75 a month or whatever it is. So, um, you know, that's uh, what we're doing right now. This is an important idea, cer certainly one that needs to get more script out there. I mentioned uh, before you got on air that uh, this kind of thing was blowing up in the last couple of years. I went on Twitter. I went on Facebook. I went on uh, Bing, uh, the search engine, just to see who has been talking about this. And for the most part, the majority of what I was reading about 
uh, was taking place in 2016 and 2017. So the kinds of ideas that are out there, this is becoming much more of a flourishing idea. Now, as I remember in our conversation, you told a, told a, me at that time that there were other people in the area that were doing this kind of thing, DPC care or DPC. Uh, tell us a little bit about those folks as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I am in a network uh, called uh, Freedom HealthWorks, and we are a um, a group of like-minded, independent physician practices. Uh, we don't uh, have an um, umbrella organization that like dictates what we do. We all are independent, but we're independent together. You know, that's the funny thing about physicians. Physicians all want to be independent, but they want to be independent together. <laughs> you know, they, want, uh, they want to have that um, camaraderie and that um, you know, uh, group-type feel to them, if for anything, to have collective bargaining with things like uh, insurance companies and lab vendors, etc. So there's about eight to ten of us, I, I think eight practices right now. Uh, there's um, several on the north side. Um, Westfield uh, Family Medicine uh, is the prominent one, and they've been around for a while. And then um, we have um, the Naptown Primary Care, Dr. Momenta, which is uh, in Noblesville. We have um, uh, Dr. Patel, which is in, you had mentioned him, in um, Fishers. Uh, we have um, uh, a doctor down in Greenwood, Dr. Hector. Uh, who I go see actually, and he he's direct primary care as well. He's been doing this for a number of years, and so there there are that are popping up around um, the uh, Indianapolis greater area. Probably about ten to thirteen practices right now, and uh, we're all trying to um, you know break ground for a new healthcare model that uh, definitely. Uh, is, is cost effective it's just trying to get the insurance companies to come on board right now as we speak uh, you don't know this because I just did it recently I, I signed with a company out of um, out of Washington that specializes in working with insurance brokers and what they're doing is they're trying to build a wraparound catastrophic plan and combine it with the fees that go with the direct primary care plan and, and and offer that in one package to employers. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's what they're doing right now. And as a matter of fact, there are three brokers, I believe, in the Indianapolis area that have um, that have asked for this service. And so we've got some on board. Now we just have to get the employers on board. And as an employer, if you look at uh, the cost savings and using a direct care model for your primary care and only keeping a catastrophic coverage, especially if you're self-insured. I mean, you think about it. If you're paying the bills for everybody, it only makes sense to have one central location that they can go to to receive their primary care and uh, have wellness screens to try to identify problems before they become big so that you can help save. And uh, it's, it is very effective. It's saved millions of dollars for companies so far. And uh, in this model, because there are several others doing it, and uh, it's just um, it's worth doing. It's just uh, slow going and trying to get the patient volumes up. Mm. This is fantastic news, I think, for everybody. And I I think uh, earlier in the uh, broadcast in the first hour, HB and I were talking a little bit about politics, and I I certainly overstated the case. Hearing uh, something from you earlier about 
uh, the the issue of congressmen, not all of them go into this uh, into the uh, specialized uh, wonder of their own health care and so on that they get for life. Some have actually opted out of that. Could you just tell us a bit about uh, some of those congressmen who might have done that and uh, gone a different direction? Oh yeah, I, I have a I have a personal friend of mine who uh, just left office recently. He was a U.S. congressman from Northern Indiana, and uh, he. Um, decided that uh, he was going to go on a medical a med share program called Good uh, Samaritan's Health Share. And the reason was because he had seen from being on the exchange, which he had did, that uh, the premiums were starting to skyrocket. I mean, things were so expensive that contrary to what the general public knows and believes you know congressmen they don't get their present salary for life when they get out of office they don't get um, health care when they get out of office uh, the, these are things that I, I used to think until I uh, actually spent some time with him knowing that uh, you know some of the guys that have been in Congress for 50 and 60 years they have these carve out golden parachutes so to speak that they have been able to draw from but the new, newer guys especially that's not the case uh, they don't have these um, golden, uh, you know, plans out there that they've just carved out for themselves that they are, you know, just fleecing the general public off of. They actually choose to go into the same type of system that the rest of us do. And uh, you know what? My hat's off to them. Yeah, I appreciate knowing that. Honestly, it's it's something that uh, when you start hearing new information, getting new knowledge, it certainly helps. One of the things that um, we had talked about when you and I sat and, and chatted about this uh, a few weeks back was about your military service, and in particular now, uh, not just tell tell us about your military service and where you served, but also about why it is that um, your military service is being attractive to others in medical care in your uh, arena? Sure. Uh, I uh, served in the Navy from 86 to 92. And uh, then um, I, uh, after Desert Storm, I went to college. I, I spent a little time in the reserve as a hospital corpsman. And uh, I, I realized very quickly that Navy stands for never again volunteer yourself, you know. And so what I ended up doing then was commissioning in the Air Force as a physician and, uh, you know, we all know Air Force is a gentleman's service. That's where we have our golf courses and our air-conditioned <laughs> barracks. And ask any Army guy. He'll tell you that. <laughs> so uh, I was served in the Air Force uh, for almost 10 years. And what I found out was, number one, it is getting better. But the, the VA is just, uh, is just overwhelmed with the amount of care that needs to be delivered and what they can do. Their infrastructure isn't big enough. It, it can't handle the load. And there are several gaps in care that uh, our veterans are suffering from because of hours and hours and months and months even of, of wait times that they need to even get in for their basic care. And so uh, as a veteran myself, I've realized that, uh, you know, we need to help each other. We need to reach out. So I actually have started a program in, uh, in my practice. We call it the VIP program, the Veterans Incentive Program. So if you're a vet 
and uh, you have a family, you know, basically we say for 50 bucks a month, you can come in and you can be seen whenever you want, as much as you want, labs, fees, everything is included. And uh, for your family, we even reduce it uh, more so that uh, you and your wife and your kids up to age 18 can be seen within 24 hours uh, in our clinic uh, for anything that needs to be done. And we've actually started to reach out to the veterans groups. We're going to try to meet with the American Legion as well as VFW and, and put the word out there because, um, you know, waiting three and four months to get into the VA system is just not acceptable. We, we want to be able to help a lot of these guys out. And um, really, when you tell folks that have come in to see you that uh, you served as well, uh, it, it really does make a big difference uh, mm. to these guys. Some of these guys have things going on that the uh, average person wouldn't have a clue uh, what they go through and what they've been through. And so, uh, you know, I, I make comments sometimes, oh, yeah, I was over there, and, and I, I remember that. And, and you know, and, and it really resonates well uh, with guys in uniform. In Indiana... We have over 500,000 veterans, 500,000 people uh, that uh, have served. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why the Hoosier State is uh, one of the biggest volunteer states in, in the country. More people have volunteered for military service than just about any other country in the United States. And the, and the reason for that is, uh, um, you know, we, we have people that consider it an honor to serve. There are still people, believe it or not, in today's society that believe it is an honor to serve the United States of America. And for those people, we want to be able to provide services for them that, uh, that say thank you, mm. you know, for what you've done for us and, and for um, what you should do. If there's anybody out there that deserves the best care we got, it's those guys and girls. Yep. Absolutely. That's who deserves our best. Yep. And there's no excuse. So, uh, so that's why um, you know, we've reached out to veteran communities uh, with our program. Mm. This is fantastic news for anybody that's a vet, for anybody who's in the military. And honestly, once again, to hear the greatness of not only our state, but uh, for those individuals who are committed to the honor of serving this great nation, we're grateful for all of you and for all of the service that you've all given. Uh, you are listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Brian Barber. We are back. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and every week we have a new guest. We have a different kind of interview. We interact with all kinds of things, but we always do it from a Christian vantage point. And warp and woof is the concept of vertical horizontal threads that make up fabric. From a Christian vantage point, that comes out of Colossians 1.17. By him, by Jesus, are all things held together. Our discussion today is about alternatives to health care and the concept of holistic uh, concerns for the Christian. And I, and I wonder, Dr. Barber, if we could come back to that uh, basic concept uh, where you said to me in, in the chats that we had prior to this program, that you viewed medical care as personalized, holistic, and individualized. So could you explain uh, what that means to the rest of us, personalized, holistic, and individualized? Okay. So uh, you, go in, you go into your doctor, and under a typical model that we have now, uh, you know, you're going to get about 15 minutes. If you're a new patient, eh, maybe 20, 30 minutes. So you go in there with your list. Uh, if you're smart, you brought a list. 
and you tell the doctor, you know, my shoulder hurts, um, I'm having problems sleeping, my feet hurt, you know, I get these headaches, and oh yeah, I, you know, my stomach every once in a while just get, goes, gives up on me, and, and I start to, to have all these problems, and you go through your list, and the doctor looks at you and goes, okay, we only have time for two. <laughs> you know, so with this too. Okay, so your elbow health. Let me check that. Okay, here's some Motrin. Take some Motrin, and uh, oh, maybe you need some physical therapy. Let me take a look. Okay, I'll give you some sheets to do. You can do your exercise at home. Okay. Oh well, your stomach. Yeah, we'll go ahead and take some Prilosec. You can take that over the counter. You don't need to give me a second. So go ahead and take some Prilosec and some Motrin, and uh, here's some exercise. And we'll see you next time. Okay. We'll see you about. Uh, we'll see you about three months. Okay. All right. Bye. And so that's your that's your typical visit. Unfortunately, you know maybe. Maybe a, a little bit whitewashed there, but but the idea is uh, a, a lot of times um, you can't really get to the core issues, and the core issues are uh, highly individualized. But the bottom line is, we live in a society that what I call the Burger King society is we have become the products of our own choices, and by what I mean by that is we have. If you look at the data from what's called Healthy People 2010, that's a uh, recommendation from the government, Medicare, Medicaid specifically, that says these are the top 10 problems in the United States of America right now. This is what's costing us the most money. That's what they say, and they put this out there on this sheet in Healthy People 2010, and they said these are the things that cost us more money than anything else, and this is the problems in America. And so you look at your list, okay? You, you go through the top five physical activity or lack thereof okay obesity smoking drug abuse suicide uh, homicide sexually transmitted diseases um, lack of access to health care um, any any kind of any kind of gamut that has to do with human behavior you look at the top five lack of physical activity obesity smoking and drug abuse and and of course suicide homicide all five of those deal with choices they deal with human behavior that you know we 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 smoke too much we exercise too little we drink too much and then we go to the doctor and we say don't tell me how to live just give me a pill to fix the problems i've created and i'll be on my merry way well there are no magic pills okay there are no like instant um, grat gratification medicines that all of a sudden can make you 10 years younger, 20 pounds thinner, stop smoking, and, and, and you know, just go on your merry way. It doesn't work that way. So we have to get to the core heart of the issue. And if we're really being honest with ourselves, a lot of times the core heart of the issue is we do what we want. <laughs> I mean, I, I eat what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, I sleep when I want. You know, I, I, I allow stress to affect me too much. Mm. I overreact. And I burst out in anger at some people. And it, it can even be uh, to the point to where I'm violent with some people. And so we have choices. Um, and sometimes we need help with those choices because as we go down this pathway... Uh, we create pathological processes because of the way we have chosen to live, eating too much, exercising too little, et cetera, et cetera. You can't go on like that forever. Uh, anybody who has reached that fourth and fifth decade now uh, will tell you that it was a lot different when I was in my 20s. You know, and, and, the, and the reason is because as your body slows down, it can't take the same level of abuse or neglect 
that you have done when you're 20 year old and you thought you were Superman and you could eat whatever you want and sleep as little as you want and and now it's taking its toll. And so when we individualize our particular practice, the first thing I, I do when somebody comes in, regardless of what their particular complaint is, the first thing I look at is their vital signs, of course, because there's a saying, vital signs are vital. You know, there's a reason for that. You, you probably should be breathing and your blood pressure shouldn't be 200 over 1,000 or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, and you probably should have a good pulse. And, uh, you know, and, and then I look at your weight. Why? Because there are so many things that are tied in with uh, your, uh, your weight and however you are that can be contributing to whatever it is that you're going to complain to me about. And so, uh, and so looking at a person's lifestyle, and lifestyle medicine is another buzzword that you'll see in these alternative models, uh, looking at a person's lifestyle and the way that they uh, eat, the way that they exercise or don't exercise, uh, the way that they uh, view how they react to stress, which also brings into the fact that you know people of faith who actually practice their faith, they usually have less stress levels. Why? Because there's a verse in the Bible that says, be careful or anxious for nothing. Mm. But by everything, let prayer and supplication be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your minds and hearts of Christ Jesus. So people of faith uh, tend to have a better outlook if they choose to live out their faith. And, and, and so another question when we individualize our care is we ask people, do you have a faith? Hmm. And, and we don't try to be derogatory or single people out or, or, or try to uh, coerce them hmm. into believing what we believe. Do you have a faith and does that faith uh, important to you? Hmm. Does that faith matter to you? And how do you use that faith to help you cope? Because guess what? People of faith usually cope better than people who have nothing. And those, uh, and that has been borne out in many studies in ho- in hospice as well as um, you know intensive care units and etc. Uh, uh, faith helps, mm. and so uh, we address faith in, in our individualized plan. We address lifestyles in our individualized plan. That's your holistic approach. That's what you should be doing as a physician. But guess what? You don't have time to be holistic in 15 minutes. Mm especially with a new patient. Uh, 15 to 20 minutes is not going to cut it. No. You're not going to be able to go through all these issues and get to the heart of things in, unless you're going to do it in like, you know, 18 visits or something like that. It it depends on the person. Now, I do have people who show up in my office and say, "Doc, nothing's wrong with me. I feel great, man." I just wanted to come in and say hi and establish care. Mm. And you know what? I say, "Well, that's great." Yeah. You know, oh by the way, your cholesterol's too high, you're too fat, and no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't always say that. But um uh you know, I, I try to uh, uh help people uh, to continue wellness. My job as a primary care physician is to keep you out of the hospital. There you go. Now I realize that that might be counterproductive if I work for a hospital system, for mm-hmm. instance. However, in primary care you know, the, the better wellness uh, um, uh, that we, the better wellness screening that we can do and, and the better uh, prevention that uh, we can aspire to in helping you to maintain that level of wellness, the better off you're going to be. Mm. 
And once again, direct primary care means I work for you. So it's in my best interest to keep you healthy because guess what? You're the one who's paying me. Yeah. Not Anthem, not Humana, not United. Wow. And so, uh, you know, in, in my model, an individualized, holistic, faith-based uh, approach to care is, in my opinion, the most effective care that you can have. Mm. So what you're basically saying to us is that the origin of the majority of problems that people face medically are their own problems. You got it. Created. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, now, once again, I didn't, you know, di- did I create rheumatoid arthritis or cancer? Right, no. right. No, you didn't most of the time. Of smoking, you could argue. But, um, uh, you know, most of the time, uh, the main problems that the government is saying is wrong with us, physical activity, smoking, obesity, etc. Yes, these are created by lifestyle choices. Okay. So what what two basic virtues, or give us some baseline uh, virtues uh, that you teach to your patients that, uh, as far as you're concerned, meet 80% of the problems head on. What are the basic ideas that you give to your patients that are going to help them overcome this the, the general choices that they're making? What are the things that you tell them that are important to uh, baseline universal principles for all life. Well, I mean, this isn't rocket science. W- what do you do when you go into your doctor? Doctor's going to tell you um, exercise and lose weight. I mean, th- that's what that's what you're going to be told, right? Because most of our going back to the health people 2010, most of our problems are inactivity, obesity, you know, uh, diet and uh, smoking, drug abuse, etc. You can go down the line. So I guess what I tell my patients is when you look at the recommendations, the ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine, for instance, uh, recommends that you have 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise, 30 minutes of which ought to be what they call vigorous, blah, 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 uh, quote, unquote, exercise. And so uh, 150 minutes, that's 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Now, do most people do that? Unless you're a gym rat, probably not. <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest. I've had a hard time trying to keep that standard, and, and, you know, I have medical issues myself. You know, and part of them are brought on because I have chosen not to exercise, not to lose weight, hmm. you know. And so the other thing is, uh, you know, you should keep a food di- if you are overweight, which is we define by body mass index, which I know is just a rough rule of thumb. But, you know, if your BMI is over 25, really, in, in most cases, it's over 30. I mean, if you're showing up in my office and you've got some sort of complaint, the vast majority of people there have a BMI of over 30. Yeah, that's your body mass index. And so that's a measurement of obesity. Over 30 is what, what the insurance providers and the medical community considers, quote, unquote, obese. And that's what most of the people are. And so uh, when I see that, I recommend, well, you need to put a food diary down so that you can actually then bring it in and show me what you're putting in your mouth. I don't care if it's a stick of gum. Put it down in in a week's worth of time. But you understand, Doc, I'll eat two meals a day, man. Yeah, well, what about those snacks that you have in between? Mm. You know, or, 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 or maybe your meal is, you, you know, three Big Macs or something like that. So uh, that might be true, but you got to figure out what it is. And, and then once you figure out what it is, then you look at your uh, 2,000 calorie, which is your, uh, your average male dietary intake is supposed to be about 2,000 calories. And you compare it to that. And so, you know, with that being said, I mean, 
once again, this this isn't a magic formula. Uh, you uh, you start an active lifestyle, even if it's walking for 15 minutes. You got to start somewhere. So I tell my patients, just get out and walk. Mm. Just get out and do something. Do something active. And you know, especially in the older folks, in the uh, chronologically enriched community, you know, we don't get old. We get chronologically enriched. In the chronologically <laughs> enriched community, uh, the research shows that if you stay active after retirement age, you're more likely to live longer. People who mm. don't are, are not active, guess what? They die sooner. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I recommend that you start something. I don't care what it is. You know, it's interesting to me if you look at these charts of what burns calories, gardening. Hmm. Gardening burns like three to 600 calories. I mean, you can run two miles or you can garden. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> you know? So get out there and garden, man. <laughs> you know, plant some potatoes or something. Dig in the dirt. So, so yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there are things that you can do that increase your activity level, but do it. Hmm. Our problem in America is not knowledge. It's execution. Ah. It, it's, it's just like anything else. On the, What are you talking about on the football field? Or whether you're talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, in, in the doctor's office, it's execution of the plan. One of the things that uh, I, I tell my students all the time is that our behavior uh, often is the thing that dictates our disposition. So the thing that's messing us up mentally is that we just have to go and do something about it. And in doing something about it, then it changes our attitudes about how we uh, relate to life or anything else. The other thing I'll say about this is is uh, something my mom says all the time. My mom's 83. Uh, you heard us talking about her a little bit as uh, as we were closing out that first hour. But she says to me all the time that, that the purpose in life uh, f- at her age is to keep moving. And I just think I, I'm smiling listening to you because I can hear, I can literally hear my mom's head going up and down saying, yep, yep, absolutely. That's exactly what I tell everybody. And she ended her time in nursing as a wellness nurse. So, of course, this is a very important uh, concept uh, that go- brings us along t- to this particular point. I wanted to go back to something. Uh, that we talked about in our personal discussion, and then something we've been kind of hitting on, you and I both, in the first and second hours here, and that is this idea that the goal of of your practice is medicine as ministry. So I, I want you to unpack that idea for us. When you say medicine as ministry, what in the world does that mean? Well, you know, uh, we just had this discussion in my office the other day, uh, you know, when you start your own business, you always uh, run the risk of failure, you know, financial-wise, are we going to make it? That There's a reason why 50% of businesses fail within the first six months, and that's because, uh, you know, a multitude of factors leads to the fact that they, they really uh, didn't have um, the, the backing that they needed financial-wise to be able to make it work uh, for whatever reason. And so we, we, uh, we're at that six-month point, and we're backing up, and we're looking at uh, everything that has gone on and things that we can do to increase revenue and et cetera, et cetera, try to keep the business afloat. And uh, one of the things that one of the consultants that I was talking to uh, said, uh, okay, first of all, let's back up. What's your mission? Uh, why do you do what you do, first of all? Have you got really that down? Because if you don't, if you don't have uh, a mission statement as a, as a business, as a corporation, you know there, there's a book out there uh, called Good to Great, uh, 
and it was a it was a book uh, by a guy in Colorado. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Jim Collins. Yeah, Collins. So so he he took all the companies that had become great, meaning that they were at least three to five times the stock market increase in uh, their uh, value uh, over fifteen years. Over so fifteen years, they had increased value three to five times what the normal stock market rise was. And so he said, what made them great? That's what he wanted to know. What, what is it? And one of the main things that he emphasized was that they had a plan, and he called it the hedgehog concept. He, he, he had a plan, and they, with steadfast concentration and dedication, they executed that plan. They did not waver from that plan. They stuck with the plan. And so uh, what's the plan was what the question was presented to me. Why are you doing what you're doing, and what is your mission, and how are you uh, aligning yourselves with that mission statement? So we had to take a look at what we were doing. And the reason why I started this practice in the first place, going all the way back to my college days, was I was one of those guys that changed his major six times. You know? <laughs> I, I was a Bible major, actually. And so I got my uh, degree in pastoral studies with a minor in biology, huh. you know, if you can, if you can think of that. And, and so I, um, I wanted to go into medicine for the purpose of telling, getting the opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so I, for the past 10 years, have been going to Africa as well as um, um, South America and several countries in the third world that uh, don't have any health care really at all. And we go there for a week and sometimes almost two weeks at a time to open up a clinic and just provide acute problems, antibiotics and, and Motrin and worm pills and such, uh, to be able to, to, to help with acute things and to tell them about Jesus Christ, which is the mm. most important thing that we're there for. And so that was really my driving force to open up a Christian practice in downtown Indianapolis was I get to tell people about Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, I don't really do it in a way that tries to coerce them or uh, wear, so-called wear it on your sleeve or drive it down their throat. We just come in and we tell them, hey, we're here to treat the whole person, physically, spiritually, uh, um, um, you know, lifestyle-wise. Uh, whatever it is that's wrong with you, we look at you as an individual not as that guy with a gallbladder problem. Hmm. And so when, when you view yourself that way, when you view what we're trying to do in terms of um, you know, who we want to minister to and how we want to do it, then it really comes aligned in with what our ultimate goal is, which is to advance the kingdom. Hmm. You know, we're a Christian practice. We don't apologize for that. We put a Bible uh, reference uh, Matthew 9.35, right on the front of our building. Hmm. And so, and, and we have had a few comments. We had one person come in and say, isn't that illegal to do that and stuff like that? I said, well, <laughs> it, it, as long as we own the practice and we're not really taking any money from the government, I don't see any problem with it. But, you know, there might come a time, and it's getting closer, where the government's going to come in and make us take that stuff down. But at this particular point, as our own private uh, um, individual business, we've actually put... Bible verses and, and play Christian music in our waiting room and, and such, not to be offensive to anyone, just to say, well, this is who we are. And uh, we don't care what you believe. We're going to see anyway. It doesn't matter what you believe. But what we believe is that a person is created in the image of God and has ultimate worth. There you go. 
because Jesus Christ died for them on the cross. Mm-hmm. Their life has ultimate value, and we need to align our mission with that value. We need to keep in mind that people aren't coming to us just with uh, you know, physical ailments. It's just not the guy with arthritis in, in room two. He's a soul. Mm. And he's someone who Jesus died for. And we have to uh, align our mission uh, from a ministry mindset to be able to look at that person and minister to them in such that not only do we try to help them with whatever particular medical problem they have, but we, w- but we show them the love of Jesus Christ and we help them to either disciple them or get them to a place where they see they need God. In a product-oriented society like we live in today, where everybody is, is trying to move it down the line faster, uh, get things done cheaper, uh, we really are treating people in the same way in terms of health care. So when we talk about the production-oriented nature of the health care movement that we see around us in the culture, uh, how would you say your, what would you say your response would be to that? How do you uh, go against the cultural mindset that we have to do this faster, cheaper, and quit looking at people like the guy with the gallbladder in room two? Well, as to efficiency, um, once again, under the current model that we have in our healthcare society, uh, with the insurance-driven uh, volume-driven medical practice. Uh, Really, um, very few people today would argue that this is not a sustainable model. This is an inefficient model. What we're doing now doesn't work. I mean, we have, and and I know this has been published uh, at nauseum by several different people, but really we spend more money than any nation, any developed nation in the world, and we have probably worse outcomes than the vast majority of them in, in, what, in what we do in terms of uh, when they say outcomes, they're talking about you know, life expectancy and um, infant mortality, how many babies die every year, and uh, things like that. So that's how they determine that our outcomes really uh, don't justify our spending. So we have an inefficient model to begin with. So the question is, how do we change to a more efficient model? Well, my argument is one way that we change to a more efficient model is that we go back to the grassroots of our health care, and that is a doctor and a patient, and nobody gets in the middle. Oh, my. You know, nobody gets it. We negotiate a price. Uh, you pay me to take care of you, and then I do whatever is necessary to make sure that your problems are addressed to the best of my ability, regardless of how much time that takes. And regardless of uh, whether I have put the right code in or not in order to satisfy uh, the particular um, bureaucratic regulations that dictate my practice. Could we say it this way that there's that are in our naturalistic materialistic culture in which we live that uh, health care is, is very contractual, but from a Christian vantage point, it's very covenantal. Could we say that? Uh, I, I think... Um, I don't know if you could say that the the relationship between a doctor and a patient 
is, is a covenant just because they happen to be Christians. I, I don't know if I would go uh, that route. There's no doubt that uh, our, our current society, uh, medical care, is contractual. You know, we have networks, and we have in-network, out-of-network. We have um, medicine that is this much at this particular pharmacy and this much at that pharmacy, and a lot of it depends on the contracts and the way they've been written. And so we have definitely a contractual system now. A covenant system, uh, I guess you could argue that from a Christian standpoint, the uh, the doctor-patient relationship particularly uh, uh, is is like a is like a promise, an agreement between two people uh, that I'm going to do my best for you. Although secular physicians would argue that's the same thing. Uh, I, I'm contracting with the patient to take care of them. That's what we do when they uh, when I agree to be their physician. It's called a therapeutic relationship. But a therapeutic relationship isn't always covenantal. Uh, I think w- what you're trying to get to the bottom line is uh, there are uh, secular physicians have a different worldview than Christian physicians do, and many times that worldview can be, uh, in terms of healthcare, can be tainted by materialism okay. and capitalistic thinking. Yeah. You know, for instance, uh, how many heart cats do we do a year? Well, I don't remember the exact number, but I can tell you it's a lot. Hmm. Do we really need to do that many heart cats? Probably not. Do we do a lot of heart casts because we're practicing defensive medicine? Absolutely. Uh, you know, do I, I knew one guy. Uh, he was a patient. He had 23 heart catheterizations. 23. Wow. It's like they could mark the every inch of his coronary artery with a serial number. You know what I mean? Wow. And so it, it's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous sometimes. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you'll get these guys that, uh, uh, that are financially motivated. Uh, it's sorry to say, but it's true. Doctors are financially motivated too. Hey, I like to make money. You know, I think other people like to make uh, money as well. I'm not the only profession that does so. And so there are some times when you might get a test that you might not necessarily need because, you know, the hospital makes more money that way. There you go. You yeah. know, it's, uh, it's sorry to say, but uh, I think um, in some cases that's probably true. So we've got maybe two minutes left here uh, for our broadcast today. And if you could give us an overview, not only of where your clinic is, uh, maybe again the direct uh, health care that you provide for folks, just give us an overview. Tell us some things that uh, you want to leave with our listening audience here today. I guess what I would probably say uh, to the person listening on the other end would be particularly here in America, you know, we spend lots and lots of money on health care, and, and, and nobody needs to tell you that it's expensive. You, you can look at your premiums of what you're paying now. And I would challenge you, if you are a person that has some health conditions now, there's a lot of you that are probably pretty healthy and only go see the doctor maybe a couple times a year, if that, and you got to drag you in there to do it. I understand that. But those of you that might be having some chronic medical conditions, be high blood pressure, diabetes, look what you're paying. Look what you're getting for your, your underlining dollar because you have to understand your premiums, and, and I know a lot of you know this, but your premiums do not go to fund your health care. They go to a company like Anthem, United, or Humana, and they get invested by stockholders. 
United, Humana, and Anthem are publicly traded companies. They are for profit. They don't care about whether you're going to get your colonoscopy on time or not. They don't care about whether your blood pressure medicine is helping you or not. They care about making money for their stockholders. And so that is where your premiums are going. Would you rather those premiums go to a stockholder? Or would you rather some of that money go directly to a physician who's going to take care of you? Who is a better stakeholder? You know, who, who better has your interests in mind? Now, I know that our profession hasn't, especially of light, hasn't uh, been uh, of the most stellar, uh, you know, as far as uh, integrity. There are some physicians, like I said, who probably have more financial motivation than they should. However, from a pure stakeholder standpoint, who do you think is going to care more about your health? So just take a look at what you're paying. And I would uh, challenge you to look at the direct primary care model and see if that's something that wouldn't fit your budget. And even even if you have a, a health sharing ministry, uh, take a look at that too, and, and you would be surprised at how much money you can save and still get better care. And one more time, tell us uh, where your practice is and the name of it, please. My practice <clears throat> is Amazing Grace Family Medicine. It's located on U.S. 31 South in South Indianapolis, 6349 Southeast Street. That's 31 South. And uh, we are open Monday through Friday, 830 to 430, and be happy to see you. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Barber, for your good words here today. Grateful for your honesty and directness about uh, questions, not only about the issues of health, but also about the issues of where does that money go for health care. You're listening to RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. We are Warp and Woof Radio. You hear us every Wednesday from 10 until noon. Next week, we are going to have a radio personality in the house, a young man, uh, Adrian, who's going to come and talk to us about not only history, uh, the history of his profession in radio, but history in general and why history is such an important discussion to have. And once again, thanks for listening this week. Uh, HB and I will be back again next Wednesday at 10 o'clock. We'll see you then.